Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45 minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cowboy meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 75 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry with me, Dustin Galker, Adam Candy. You can find them on Twitter, and you should, at Dustin Galker, at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. If you hate yourself, you can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Brown M2. Today, we are going to talk about, we have some numbers, and we always like to talk numbers on here for sure. We're going to talk about Tennessee and what is going on there. Going to talk about that big news from William Hill and Caesars as well, but let's kick things off here, Dustin. The kids wanted to take away our DFS and our sports betting and all the things like that by stealing all of our Bitcoins or something and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what the point was, but yeah, the the fantasy sports industry in general and DraftKings and FanDuel uh, more in particular were were impacted by a sports data provider stats perform being down for a while uh, because of what we understand to be a ransomware hack, and uh, it it definitely wreaked havoc. Uh, I, I assume you, as an avid DFS player, were, were aware of all of this, and people were not very not happy, very not happy about. Uh, everything being down. DraftKings, uh, we understand, switched to another data provider uh, as, a, as a workaround. FanDuel was down, and it seems like everything is, is now back to normal, but uh, it, w- it, was a, it was an interesting thing. It, it, it was, the, again, you want to you go after uh, the sports betting or, or fantasy sports providers, you, you, can, you don't have to go at them directly. You, go at, uh, you can go at them uh, from the data side here, and uh, stats perform was the one who has uh, hit this, and this, I mean, this hit everybody who uses them too. I mean, there are others, mm-hmm. there are season long fantasy platforms that uses fan tracks among them. So it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting, interesting thing. FanDuel had to, you know, do a lot of make goods. It looks like for, for people who are unable to access or unable to do late swap or things like that. And uh, it is, uh, you know, and we also have a, an example of bet online was, uh, was apparently yeah. hackered too, right? The offshore sports book over the weekend. Don't know any details about that, but they were down for several days so yeah i mean the lesson writ large here is be be ready for this stuff because you know people see an opportunity you know hackers see an opportunity and they're coming after it yeah adam this was like the thing where you look and you're like oh well they didn't even hack the actual sites themselves in order to make everything horrible for the customer base and and things like that so you're sitting back in your DraftKings and your FanDuel, and you're kind of like it's not even us. Like it's, it's not even us. It wasn't even us. I don't know. You know what to do. And like, look, I think uh, as Dustin mentioned, DraftKings at least had a plan in place. Uh, FanDuel came off fairly bad in this whole deal because their uh, communication to the players and to people out there was not the greatest. And there was a whole bunch of people who were just wondering what in the heck was going on and weren't really getting a clear kind of 
concise definition uh, explanation of why this was going on. And so a lot of people were like, hey, I've got, you know, X thousand X ten of thousands. Some of these guys play hundreds of thousands of dollars on these sites a week that is kind of just hanging in the balance right now. I would really, really like to know why that is um, this. And this is similar some, to something that happened with uh, SB Tech as well. I think the reason that DraftKings was as well prepared as it was is that they've already been through this, right? Like you've already been through it with SB Tech. And so you have uh, some expertise there in terms of not necessarily quite the same as a provider, but someone who you were trying to integrate tech with. And that's really what we're talking about here is anyone that you're trying to integrate tech with. You have this potential issue hanging out there, this vulnerability. Uh, when we were talking about the uh, FanDuel soccer uh, bad bet from a few months back, that was something that FanDuel ultimately blamed on a third party software provider. So, you know, as Dustin mentioned, these holes are there to be exposed, um, not just for DraftKings or FanDuel, but for anybody who is that reliant on technology. And it's not just a matter of saying own your own tech stack, right? Because obviously FanDuel has been doing that for quite a long time. You know, data providers are always going to be third party unless somehow they're ever brought under the umbrella of another company. But as of now, that doesn't seem plausible at all. And Dustin, I think the other thing here that kind of one of the deals that I was trying to dig into because I was like, well, if this is affecting DFS, I wonder if this is affecting player props on the sports betting side of things, because that would kind of go hand in hand. Right. I mean, like how many receptions a guy has and how many yards he has and how many touchdowns he scored. Seems like that's right along kind of in sync with what's going on on the on the fantasy side of things but that was not the case apparently all player props and everything so which lets me know that there's a different mechanism for all of that on the sports betting side of things than there is on the dfs side of things which i also thought was a bit curious that if you're you know i mean it seems like it's the same type of data that you're taking to grade these sports bets as you would you know update these stats for the for the fantasy side of things so that was uh that was one of the things i dug into but apparently everything on the sports betting side was perfectly fine yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting. We maybe just haven't gotten to the level of efficiency yet in the U.S. market where all this stuff is under one house. I mean, DraftKings and FanDuel have been doing DFS for a long time. There's an, uh, another no, another whole ecosystem related to sports betting. So maybe that all gets under one house. Maybe not. But yeah, we didn't see anything on the sports betting uh, operator side affected by all of this, which is obviously good news. Uh, usually, we're seeing uh, you know Sport Radar or Genius Sports are, are leveraged in this way. You know, yeah have trading on, on other platforms uh, on, on the back end and with can companies like Canby. So none of, none of that was affected. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, this was a DFS story more than a sports betting story. It obviously would have been a bigger story for seeing sports mm -hmm. betting sites go down, but it, it did make me go back to think about the SB tech story. I mean, it was kind of weird that it took, uh, uh, we, as far as I know, we broke this story that this is why FanDuel uh, was down for so long. I just want to see transparency. Like, yes, it was down, mm -hmm. but we didn't, have, we had no idea why it was down or what was going on. It doesn't seem like it should be that much of a lift to say, Hey, there we, you know, our stats provider was hit by this product, this problem, like just be honest about it. Again, I don't know why we have to be the ones uh, digging it out, reporting it, just say it, say it out there. I mean, maybe I'm going too far with that, but it does seem like, you know, all of something like this, transparency would be the, the better course.
Adam, apparently they want bitcoins. Um, whenever I was hacked and uh, someone went in and sent emails out to my entire list with a link, uh, when people clicked on the link, which why would you click on the link? What were you thinking? Uh, they were asking for 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 bitcoins. So apparently uh, everybody's trying to steal the bitcoins. Is what's going on here? Like there is like give me all the bitcoins. Now is that like what Sonic the Hedgehog used to collect? Pretty much, I think okay. so. I, wasn't I sure mean, if it was this is uh, or not. I'm yeah, not, we, I'm not necessarily in on the crypto. I, how we never ventured into this. I mean, we've, we've talked stocks on this, uh, on this podcast. How do we never ventured into being crypto touts? Dustin is like, I mean, cause that there's a lot of crossover between these industries. I mean, all these uh, sports betting guys are into the crypto. I don't know how you didn't become a crypto tout. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a, a lack in my portfolio of things I tout, <laughs> I, that's for sure. I mean, people want to, I mean, to, to go off on the tangent of Bitcoin a little bit, like people want to see Bitcoin and sports betting and all of this. But, I, you know, nobody under, nobody at the legislative regulatory side of things knows anything about sports betting. So to ask them to understand tr- cryptocurrencies on top of that <laughs> and how right. it intersects with online gambling, hard pass for, for a while until we get till everything matures a little bit more. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I've been telling a lot of my friends that are that are very bullish on everything. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it in theory, but do the people that can actually make it happen get it? And the answer is no, they don't. They don't understand most things when it goes down. So, uh, Adam, we do love to talk numbers here on the podcast, and we got some interesting ones out of Pennsylvania. The party continues uh, in terms of record breaking. Pennsylvania has the kind of September that New Jersey had, that Indiana had uh, 460 plus million dollars in handle for Pennsylvania. That, of course, breaks a monthly record, same as in New Jersey and in uh, Indiana as well. So uh, up about 17%. And the interesting mark to me was that below 4% hold. So what we've also seen is a trend across the country where betters have done pretty well uh, over this last uh, 30 day period. And in Pennsylvania, that's particularly notable because even though you have that enormous handle, remember that it's a 36% effective tax rate in Pennsylvania. So you would think that would turn into a huge month for the tax coffers, but maybe not quite so much because the hold was a little on the smaller side. Yeah. Like you mentioned, betters have actually have done fairly well so far. And you got to think that as we get the October numbers, will that level off? I don't know. I mean, the Lakers were the chalk to win, you know, the Lakers were the chalk to win the NBA, the Dodgers, obviously the chalk to win the the world series, if that plays out. So uh, a lot of money line favorites have been getting home in the NFL. So maybe we will see hold a little bit smaller as well with all of that. Dustin in Pennsylvania, though, with these numbers, you know, we know about the free bets and free money and match bets and different things and stuff like that. Free sandwiches and, and whatever else, the, the promos that are going in. How does that all factor into these numbers? Yeah, another is a side note, interesting piece that from Brad Allen on, on what these PA sports betting numbers are. We, we get interesting data from there in that Pennsylvania breaks down promo credits, which is, you know, mm. free bets, bonuses, things like that. Any, anything that's not. You know, that's given away, you know, in, in by the sports books. And in Pennsylvania in September, it was it was huge. There were, you said, 13 million in revenue, just a little bit over. There's 12 million in promo credits. So that's 
that's a lot of bonusing and and free bets and all sorts of stuff being. Get, I mean, we, we remember the Kansas City Chiefs plus one hundred one. That was kind of every uh, one hundred one points. Obviously, a no brainer bet. Everybody was getting that. That's just free money being given away. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, as an operator, it's kind of smart to be doing this because you're you're, you're getting taxed on on that net revenue credit, and you're you know you're dealing with this high tax rate that we said would be you know obviously said over the time would be prohibitive, but you know they've the written into the law and the regulations is that you can offset with promo credit. So why not in Pennsylvania spend a lot of money right. on promos and give a lot of money away? And, you know, we saw just tons of money be given away by the biggest operators. DraftKings only had a million uh, in some in revenue, but gave away 2.3 million in, in promo credit. So they're actually, <laughs> you know, giving more away than, than they got in revenue. Uh, Barstool its first week lost, actually lost money just booking and also gave away 2.1 million in promos. It's, it's fascinating because we don't get this data anywhere else, but you have to imagine it's, it's a fairly similar story. I mean, it might be exacerbated in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. just because of the tax structure and how they set things up, but you got to imagine you're seeing similar levels of bonusing and promos just about everywhere. And that some of this straight revenue you're seeing is, is go, a lot of it's going back, especially at the start of NFL season, going back to players in the form of, of bonuses. Adam, I think we can say, except in Nevada. Yeah, numerous offers out there, Matt. uh, And all of them say offer not valid in Nevada after they list off about 10 other states. (laughs) They do. Every every single every single one of the promos is like, oh, this sounds crazy. Offer not valid, Nevada. <laughs> like it goes to the end. You're like, oh, cool. Thanks for uh, letting me know about that one that I can't take advantage of. Really, Superbook do. was giving you guys that. like casino, like slot machine credit instead of right. I think I saw that one. Uh, to go into the business was, casino and play slots, I think I saw. And they did, uh, they did like hotel rooms if you signed up for the for the super contest and stuff. So they there were at least some incentives for for stuff like that. But typically, uh, we don't we don't get the goods. We certainly don't get the goods on a week to week basis like everybody else does all over this with the odds boosts and the match bets and things like that. Uh, Adam, so we are. Let me check my little uh, my my watch that I don't wear here. Uh, mm. it, we're about two weeks away from. Tennessee being part of the fray, right? Your non-existent watch once again is right, Matt. I don't know how you do it. Uh, Yeah, we are within a couple of weeks of Tennessee launch. November 1st is the official date that the lottery has been targeting in Tennessee. And we already have four applications approved. We have three more applications that are in process right now for operators. Keep in mind, Tennessee is going to be an interesting state because it is all online. There are no casinos, so it is basically mobile only for sports betting in Tennessee. But uh, there are some strange rules. Uh, You're dealing with a 20 percent tax rate in Tennessee. And there's also that strange minimum hold rule of 10 percent that doesn't exist anywhere else in the country. So I think it's natural to go in and say, hey, the free bets will look just the same in Tennessee as they have elsewhere. That might not necessarily be the case just because the math is a little bit different. Yes, it'll likely be aggressive, but maybe not on the same order as uh, as some other places. So Tennessee, remember, passed its law more than a year ago, uh, May of 2019. There were numerous false starts, but uh, some personnel changes over the summer and looks like they're ready to push forward with it here starting in November. And Dustin, from my uh, from my calendar here, November the 1st is a Sunday, which would mean they, in theory, would be going live on an NFL Sunday. 
Yeah, that that doesn't sound like a great idea to me. It sounds like yeah, launching I was just into. Say, doesn't that seem like you'd want like a couple of days to like make sure everything was was working out? I mean, like we've seen things go fairly smoothly, but you know, I mean, maybe you just want to test the waters a little bit. Yeah, I I, th- I think you're right. I would I would rather not launch on a Sunday. I mean, that's the volume, the busiest day of the week in terms <laughs> of betting and getting people to sign up. I, I don't. It doesn't seem like that's what you'd want to do. There is probably a happy medium between Colorado, which launched in May into the pandemic with absolutely nothing going on other than table tennis, and launching into a full slate of NFL games. <laughs> Again, like I mean, who knows what the what the what you'll run into? I mean, even even here, like I uh, like to my own experience here in Oregon, but like the the, the app is un, is less responsive when you're launching into like like when nfl is going on there's more people on it like your first day should not be the heaviest load give people a bad user experience who knows this is three of the four operators that will go live are DraftKings, fandle and BetMGM. they obviously are are pretty Mm. aware of what they are going to run into so maybe that's not uh as big of an issue as we're making it out to be uh we all i mean it's also weird we had a recap of the latest here a meeting about sports betting in tennessee from our matthew waters and he was saying how like the, the the content of that meeting they're still working out word of of sports betting regulations like that's a weird thing to be doing a couple of weeks out from launch like you think that stuff would be squared away so i don't right. know there's also the possibility of a soft launch there they've been floating that in tennessee of go live for a few hours the days leading up to it it's up to november 1st and then a full launch so all of this is on the table a uh, very fluid situation but we'll obviously uh, keep you up to date whatever's going on in tennessee Yeah, we'll certainly over at Legal Sports Report, everything we talk about here is over there. So we'll we'll keep you up to date on what's going on there. But yeah, two weeks out, seems like you might want to kind of have the plan in place. But, uh, you know, listen. It's, it's 2020, right? I mean, we're, we're dealing with all this and everything. Everybody's just doing whatever in the hell seems to like they can they can get done. Uh, guys, should have said this at the top, but of course, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Google. We're on Stitcher. So go in and, and give us a subscription and look, rate and review these things. It'll help us climb the charts and more people can find this. We're trying to spread the good word about sports betting here and legal sports betting. So I uh, do appreciate all of those as well dustin you and adam hear rumors you guys know things people talk to you and so what's the scuttlebutt going around about sport radar so sport radar is raising half a billion dollars for uh potential acquisitions and there's a, a note from a from an analyst saying 350 million dollars of that is is uh, speculated to be raised for a specific MA target uh we do not know what that target is ourselves but we'd have brad allen speculating up on our behalves over at a story at lsr uh you know probably not a sports betting platform because they already bought one of those last year uh, but there are lots of of possibilities out there uh you know casino is a growing industry here in U.S. Sport rate are increasingly tied to the people who are in in online gambling here in the U.S. So an online casino platform for that and for the rest of the world would make sense. Uh, a sports analytics firm uh, might be something out there that's possible. Uh, streaming slash sports media; those are possibilities. Uh, at, the, at the price tag of three hundred fifty million dollars, I can I can we can safely say they're probably not buying an operator, uh, or at least not a very large one. Uh, and you know these things these these things that are. Uh, Related to their business, but things that would make sense in in growing their business or expanding it beyond their their current reach are things that would make sense. 
Adam, uh, we're, we're just speculating here, but when, when you see 350 million, you know, it's one, it's a lot of money, but then at the same time, it's not a lot of money, right? So it's like, it's kind of like Dustin said, you know, kind of the type of business they might could be going after because you can't really be going after anybody of any size because 350 is not going to get it done. But then at the same time, you are, you can go after some of these other maybe up and coming type companies or emerging market type companies or something like that. I think Dustin's speculation, or, or I guess it's Brad's of maybe some sort of, some sort of streaming platform, some sort of something like that kind of seems to me like that fits in the whole deal of what sport radar is trying to do. But if you were speculating, what are you, what are you thinking? Streaming was honestly the first thing that came to mind, Matt, when you think mm-hmm. about realistically what sport radar might be interested in unless they were seriously expanding the scope of their business because they operate in a space where the players are pretty well defined right with sport radar mm-hmm. with genius sport uh, stats perform it has its own uh its own business but in the end they're probably not going to be doing you know their own sportsbook operation right they're they're feeding the data to sportsbooks uh, but they have been involved with streaming in the past. And so it wouldn't be surprising at all, considering we've talked a lot about the fact that, you know, the idea of in-app streaming is in its infancy right now in the U.S. Uh, it's very common in the U.K. and in Europe and overseas markets. But, you know, right now, for the most part, it's limited to, you know, tennis and uh, there'll be some golf and they're working on some MMA and and so on. But, you know, the four major sports don't have any affiliation to that degree yet. So, you know, we know Sport Radar is tied up with a lot of the major sports leagues and, you know, would make sense if streaming were somewhere uh, within the realm of what they'd be looking at. A quick follow up to one of the stories that we talked about last week was that BetMGM was going to be debuting betting odds during an actual PGA Tour broadcast that happened out at Shadow Creek here in Las Vegas. Guys, we were saying, hey, this could be good, especially if they don't kind of beat the viewer over the head with it. I don't know how much of the tournament you got to catch, but I was able to, to, to watch a pretty good amount of it. And they, I think that they did it well. I think that was a very good first go at introducing odds and live odds and things into a broadcast. They didn't bring it up every hole. They didn't bring it up every player. Hell, there was, they didn't even bring it up every segment. It seemed like it was, there was uh, certain times where they were, where they brought things up. Like there's a short par 17. They brought up like, you know, what a hole in one odds would have been or something like that. And they did that a couple of times, but really, you know, every three or four segments, they would kind of show the leaderboard and then just over on the side, they put the the live odds for that player to win the tournament and a little reference here and there to it. But I mean, all in all one, I thought it was a really good first effort to kind of dip the toe in the water, not beat the viewer over the head with it, but still work it into a broadcast because again, it's a, it's a very real thing that's happening. And it also, I think is going to be a big part of golf moving forward. Yeah, Matt, I would agree with that. And I would say that what I saw from it was a good balance between not being too simplistic, but also Mm -hmm. not being too overly complicated, right? Like they didn't go into, you know, the how to's and the explainers of how to bet, but at the same time, they're still putting up, you know, odds that I think you have to know a little bit about uh, betting in the first place to make sense of, right? When you're just putting pluses and minuses with American odds on the boards, then, you know, you have to know a little bit in order to make sense of that. Uh, I like the way they did it too. Uh, you know, some mm-hmm. some simple chirons and stuff that they just threw up there and let it be without pointing to it and without making a big deal of it. Um, I th- probably want to be a little... Um, 
I'll say more selective in terms of what they choose. Like the very first thing I looked up and saw was odds about the, you know, which, which South Korean golfer was going to finish right. first. Like yeah. that, that's a little on the exotic side, I think for, for the average better. Um, but for a first effort and from some of the other first efforts that we've seen at this, I thought it was, well I thought the broadcasters could be a little bit more like tuned into it. I mean, they, they didn't seem super comfortable talking about it. And, you know, and again, you're right. First effort where maybe we're being a little too, maybe I'm being a little too critical, but you know, I think before you, I mean, they, obviously this all happened very quickly in terms of BetMGM and, and the PGA tour right. rolling this out on a broadcast. So you, you don't want to be super critical, but I, th- I think that's what, what takes is that, the, the broadcasters, if you're going to integrate, they have to have them be like, it has to be secondhand to them to not have to force it in. Like they, they understand all of it. You know, that's going to come, I think, in, in golf and, and across sports as we work betting on content into broadcasts. Yeah. One of the things that they did, which I thought was good, was like when kind of like a fun bet was fitting the narrative, they kind of popped it up. There was one, would a golfer birdie uh, 17 on all four days? And Terrell Hatton had birdied it like the first two days. And so they brought it up on the third day when he's standing on the on the green there because it was like plus 12,000 or something like that for someone to birdie it all four days in a row or something. And so, you know, I think little things like that, the average the average view or goes, Oh, and would that be neat if he did that? Or so, you know, it just kind of adds a little bit to the deal. And, uh, you know, the fact that they less was more to me for this first go at it. And the fact that they didn't kind of go super, super heavy with it was, was probably the way to go about it and look forward to, you know, what they do next. I imagine we just got the announcement that the match three is going to be happening. That's going to certainly be, uh, you know, focused around some sort of gambling. We, two of the biggest gamblers that we, that we openly know in sports in Mickelson and Barkley are going to be participating. So uh, we definitely know there'll be some money exchanging hands there. Uh, take us home here, Adam, tell us, what's going on with this William Hill and Caesars deal. This has been an interesting one to watch because it started out just sort of a speculation and rumor, and then it became uh, Caesars basically holding up the hammer and saying, go ahead and reject our bid. We'll just end the partnership. Um, And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the bid being uh, uh, initially agreed upon. But where we are right now is this still needs to be approved by William Hill shareholders And Brad Allen was talking to some folks on his side of the pond over uh, in the UK who suggested that maybe this isn't necessarily a sure thing as he looked at who had been buying up some of the William Hill shares coming up upon the vote uh, as to whether to do this or not. So remember, this goes back a number of years when we talk about the tie up between William Hill and Caesars and it involves El Dorado. and, And, you know, it was a complicated thing in the first place. But what we've essentially seen is that Now, when you watch, um, you know, say an ESPN broadcast, you see odds from Caesar Sportsbook powered by William Hill. Right. Uh, So the integration is already out there to some degree, but there is a little bit of uncertainty left as to whether or not this will be approved by shareholders because they think that uh, some think that the share price might be a bit too low uh, from the Caesars offer. 
Uh, Dustin, do you remember when we made an announcement here on the podcast about a deal being struck between Caesars and DraftKings, and then we never heard anything about it ever again in the history of all news? Like that was like the craziest thing. Like I've never seen something just disappear into the ether like that announcement between Caesars and DraftKings. It's like, hey, there's a partnership with Caesars DraftKings, and then no one yeah, ever it's, spoke it's of it like, ever uh, again. It's like you're—I don't know what it's like. It's like your your family doing something embarrassing at Thanksgiving, and you just never talk about it again. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's wild that that was a major that was a major story when it happened, and then there was never any evidence of it being put out into the wild, and that it just it just went away. It, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've heard scuttlebutt about it, but nothing that we could possibly report on the record. It's but yeah, it is it is a wild time to remember that that was a thing and is no longer a thing uh, anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's like neither company wants to talk about it. you ask either one. They're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't know. I don't going to talk about any of that stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. Guys, everything that we talk about here on the podcast, you can find at LegalSportsReport.com. And you really should follow Dustin and Adam on Twitter for great commentary and sharing of all of the stuff that we go over here at Dustin Galker at Adam Candy to ease know why. And again, you can hate follow me at Matt Brown M2 if you'd like to at L, uh, what are we? LS, You've been saying LSP it for report. 75 what, what, what episodes. Is, is, you LS, know what it is. Stop, stop pretending like you don't. LSP report is the main account guys. And of course, Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher, please go out, give us a subscribe rate review. We do appreciate all of that for Dustin for Adam. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal, valid when product served. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.